Creating and rekindling memories. NHR. Don't worry, don't worry. It's not the album failure or anything. It's how it finishes. A wonderful finish to a brilliant song. And so positive as well. It's taken from the album Cartoon World. It's the Corgis. And I'm very pleased to welcome on the other end of this phone, Mr James Warren. Good morning, James. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I tell you what, your music brings back so many memories for me um, because back in 1979, I had my first job in a record shop uh, in Hooknall uh-huh. in Nottingham. And If I Had You came out. And I tell you what, I, it was one of those record shops where you'd got the old record player in the corner and you know, you'd play sort of your favourite records all the time. That record, if I had you, was on that record player most of the day. I loved it so much. Uh, And (laughs) I still love it today. It's just one of those brilliant records. And before that track, we played Everybody's Got to Learn Sometime, the album version, uh, which is a little bit different to, you know, the single. Everybody's heard uh, the single. I thought we'd play the album. So loads of Corgi songs to play this morning. I'm very pleased that we've got you uh, on the programme. Now then. Most people, as I said, will know you from the hits If I Had You and Everybody's Got to Learn Sometime, but that was in the late 70s and early 80s. Now, your musical career actually goes back to the late 60s uh, with the band Stackridge. Uh, Were they they your first band that you played with? The first proper band, yes. And we, we sort of flourished from, like, 1969 to about 1976, I think. Stackridge... For your listeners who've never heard of the band, and probably that's a lot of them, uh, was never a sort of mainstream hit band. We were sort of an eccentric prog rock sort of outfit. We did some good stuff, actually, and I I really enjoyed it. It was a great sort of learning curve playing in that band. We, We did loads of gigs up and down the country on the university circuit, essentially. And um, it was a great band, yeah, but we never sort of hit the mainstream. And, uh, I mean, the the music with the Corgis, it's so different because, uh, I mean, I keep saying you're the master of the three-minute pop song, um, but Stackridge, I mean, as you said, a progressive rock band, uh, used to doing sort of, you know, sort of ten-minute-long solos and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. uh, I mean, was it uh, sort of, you know, your, if you like, um, you know, you you wanted to change the the type of music that you were listening to when you formed the Corgis to, to just sort of make everything more compact, three-minute pop songs instead of great big long rambling um, solo bits. Uh, Was that always in your mind to do that? Exactly, yes. I mean, as I say, by... By the time we got to like the mid 1970s, 77, something like that, Stackridge had run its course really. And so Andy, um, one of the other guys in Stackridge, and I thought, well, why not try something completely different? Because as I said, Stackridge was uh, a very self indulgent sort of prog rock kind of thing. Uh, so we thought, why don't we try something the complete opposite? Why don't we try and write some radio friendly three minute songs and just see where that takes us? Because we both actually loved pop music despite the fact that we were doing a a prog rock band in Stackridge we absolutely loved pop music Beatles Kinks and uh, the Stones singles from the 1960s so uh, we thought we'd give it a try and um, I think at the same time Blondie had just come out and they kind of epitomized the sort of thing we fancied doing you know like great little pop hook tunes but uh, with a bit of a rocky edge and yeah, so that's, that was the idea behind the Corgis. Now you mentioned uh, the, the Beatles and the Stones and the, the, some of the bands from the sixties. I mean, that song there—that is that—that that could have been a missing Beatles song, um, <laughs> couldn't it? Because it is just yeah. so reminiscent of, of how the Beatles were in the late nineteen uh, sixties. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Apart from, from them, who were your early musical influences? Well, it was anyone that, that wrote sort of really good, catchy tunes in the 1960s, because that, that, that's when I really started. I mean, I started playing guitar in, in the sort of late 60s. So any, any of the artists and bands that were around at the time that came up with really strong tunes, you know, with sort of hooks that you just stayed in your head all day long, I, I, that's what I loved. And, of course, the Beatles were, were, were the, the absolute experts at that. But, um, as I say, I, I loved the Kinks and many other bands as well who had, uh, you know, top ten hits at the time. Yeah, it, it, pop songs. I, I loved good pop. And, of course, you mentioned the Beatles, Paul McCartney, of course. He was at Glastonbury uh, just yeah. just recently. And I don't know if you've seen... Uh, did, did you see the Paul McCartney set at all? I did, yeah, the whole thing. Oh, brilliant. And the, the <laughs> bit with John Lennon was... I mean, yeah, I, great, I saw it? it and I'd got shivers. Um, I had. It yeah. was brilliant to see those two together. And to think, you know, if, if John was still alive today, the music that those two would be making... Uh, you know, it's, I know. It's just amazing thought, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, and talking of Glastonbury, <laughs> of course, um, I mean that that's recently gone, but you performed at the very first Glastonbury. I mean, what, what are you? What are your memories of performing at such an iconic event? <laughs> well, disappointingly, I have practically no memories. I, I, I'm sort of renowned amongst people that know me, or notorious, I should say, uh, for having an absolutely shocking memory <laughs> of, of of my past. You know, like my my formative sort of years and such like. And so, the first Glastonbury was 1970. I was 19 years old, and we just started doing the Stackridge Band. And yeah, we actually opened the Glastonbury Festival then. But I should say that at that time, I don't know if it was even, lit I don't know if it was officially called the Glastonbury Festival. I think it may have been called something different, like the, uh, I think like the Shepton Mallet Rhythm and Blues Festival or something like that. And there was like 200 people there or something. And no one had any idea that it would become the massive sort of phenomenon that it's became, you know. And uh, so for us, it was just like another local little festival. We didn't think twice about it, really. But funnily enough, there was a documentary on the other day on the BBC, 50 Years of Glastonbury, mm -hmm. and they showed a couple of clips from that first 1970s festival. And even though they didn't show Stackridge performing, they showed this other band, and then one frame that, that they sort of wheeled round to the sort of front of the audience, and I was sat there watching it, so we've isolated that frame and we've used it on, on, on our sort of Corgi's website as a bit of fun. So there I was, 19 years old, watching this uh, prog rock band, Quintessence, I think they were called, uh, at the very first Glastonbury Festival. But yeah, it was just like another local festival as far as we were concerned and we didn't sort of think twice about it. Glastonbury's got a better ring, though, and a bit shorter and more compact. Absolutely, <laughs> so yes. That's probably why it, uh, it's uh, sort of survived, because it's got a little bit shorter in there. So <laughs> Now, there, I mentioned we played uh, Everybody's Got to Learn Sometime. Now, that's been covered by so many uh, people uh, throughout the 1980s, and you mentioned uh, people who write good hooks into music. I mean, that, and if I had, you had so many great hooks uh, in there. Um, I mean, since you wrote it, there's been... well. Th th must be about a hundred more than uh, more than hundred people who's actually covered that. I mean, people like Zuccaro uh, has covered it live. Beck and uh, of course Yaz turned it into more of a, a dancey. Um, so and there's been dance remixes, of course, of it. So yeah. Um, I mean, do, do you have a favourite cover of, of the song? Uh, 
I change my mind quite regularly uh, as to which one I, I like best. I, I, the Beck version I thought was very intriguing because that was a very dark sort of rendition, completely different to how we originally envisaged it. But it grew on me. I, I, I thought, well, this is this is really something, you know, really, really quite different. And, and and it was part of a film, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, yes. which came out in the late 1990s, I think. A very good film, actually. Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. And that was like the theme song of the film. And uh, yeah, that, that really grew on me. Um, and also there's been a couple of sort of really obscure instrumental versions, like by string quartets and such like, which I really like, you know, but you, you don't ever hear them on the radio. But um, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're all interesting. Like Yaz, that was an interesting version. And Baby D had a big hit with their version. Of course, yeah. Uh, got that number four, I think, in, in the UK chart, which is even higher than our original version got to so uh yeah it's, it's all interesting stuff of course and it was used in a commercial as well on, on tv so again you know, yeah it, it was wasn't it yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's sort of bringing that music back and uh, you know people who maybe were too young to hear it the first time have now rediscovered yeah. it and you know it, it, you've probably got a whole new fan base out there uh who are yeah. you know all discovering um the corgis now then, the new yeah, album, amazing. Cartoon World, uh, that was written over lockdown, I believe. Uh, and as I've mentioned, it's the first Corgi's album in over 30 years. Uh, and like many albums that have been released uh, sort of out of lockdown, it, it was written online. Um, did you enjoy the writing process of that sort of back and forth online? Or would you prefer to be in the same room as the person that you're writing with? Definitely prefer to be in the same room, yeah. But it was fun at the time because that was the limitation that we had. We had no choice. It was this, cause, so we started writing during the first lockdown when it was all pretty sort of severe restrictions. You know, if you remember, we, we weren't allowed to get together and meet anyone in person and all that sort of stuff. It was very hard. And so really that was the only option we had if we wanted to make music. We couldn't do any gigs or anything, really. So we, the only option we had was to you know, at our individual computers, think of ideas and then ping them across to one another. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, that's what I did with um, Al Steele, who's um, my colleague in the Corgis, uh, an amazing multi-instrumentalist and producer. And so he had a, an idea for a song, sort of pinged it over to me, you know, saying, why don't you add something to this, see, see where you can take it. And then I thought of a section and pinged it back and so on. And we just kept on doing that. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, after you know, after a couple of months, we we discovered we had about twelve in you know, an album's worth of, of, of new songs. So um, as soon as lockdown eased and we could actually get together in person, we started to record them properly. And of course, the, the, that that's what was the really enjoyable part: being together in the studio, actually uh, making music together. <laughs> the album itself, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this to you just before uh, we came on here. Um, I, I love the album as an album. Uh, instead of an album of sort of separate tracks. Oh, great. Uh, and it's very much, in my mind, it's like one of these sort of the older concept albums um, because there seems to be that sort of thread running through every track all the way from the beginning, uh, the overture bit, all the way to the end. Yeah. Uh, was that something that, uh, you know, was in your mind, you know, to make a concept album or or did it just sort of all fall together like that? It developed. It wasn't my idea. It was um, the chap I mentioned, Al Steele, my uh, colleague in the Corgis. It was his note. His daughter had come up with these sort of mad cartoons. She's a graphic artist. 
And she'd come up with these mad cartoons of, of members of the corgis during lockdown that we used to post on our website just to create a bit of interest, you know, because we couldn't sort of, you know, go out there and meet anyone or do anything. Um, she had the brilliant idea. Why don't I sort of come up with some mad cartoons involving individual members of the corgis and you can post them and, you know, and see what reaction you get. So that was the start of it. And then Al thought, well, it might be an idea, this. We can actually sort of write a song, in, you know, uh, inspired by these cartoons and, you know, even call the album Cartoon World. And then we developed the idea that we could sort of make it a, a kind of metaphor for the state that society was in at the time, you know, all the, because that was when Brexit first started and all the Dominic Cummings sort of scandal was going on. So really for us, the whole album, all the songs were about sort of, why don't we sort of return to the values that really matter, you know, having good, healthy, loving relationships rather than sort of all the, you know, trivial stuff that was going on around, you know, Brexit, you know, and political sort of stuff, Trump and, and such like. So, yeah, so it, it, it became a, a concept album the more we sort of, uh, you know, the more we started recording it. Now, you mentioned the the, the actual cartoons on, on the uh, CD cover um, as well. It, it's been a long time since I've had an album that not only do I enjoy the CD itself, but actually enjoy the cover, uh, reading oh, the cover. Well done. It is. I mean, I, I I don't know whether all the sort of CDs uh, that that people can buy are the same as this, but it's uh, it's like it's a gatefold sleeve. It's got loads of uh, loads of stuff yeah. in it, and I love the uh, the the bit that it, that's inside with all the cartoons and the stories oh, and, and everything, and it's fascinating to read. And uh, on the back it says the history of the world according to the Korg is nineteen eighty to twenty thirty. There's a lot to read on there while you're listening to uh, the album as well. Uh, and and I just love the whole concept of it um, on there. So. Now then, bringing oh, back great. the spirit of love uh, that did very well on the heritage charts. Um, I mean, it came out at the beginning of the year. Uh, then there was the um, the Sunshine uh, video, and then it came back again, and again, done very well in the Heritage charts. Um, so, um, with chart positions, how important are they to, to the Corgis nowadays? Um, I mean, do, do you bother about sort of, you know, how, how high you get in the Heritage charts and how many people vote for you? Uh, or is it, uh, you know, sort of, let's just get a brilliant album out there and, and get some money in, basically? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is inspiring to, to know that, you know, that, it, that people are really liking it, you know, uh, and, and keep on sort of writing and saying, you know, play this track. So, yeah, that is that is inspiring. We love that. Um, on the other hand, obviously, we do need to sort of make a, a living as well. So it's a shame that we can't sort of break through onto like, um, I don't know, Radio 2 seriously and actually, you know, start shifting um, lots of copies as well. But, yeah, it's, so both elements are, are, are good to have. Yeah, we, we do appreciate these, like, heritage charts and such like. In fact, we did a... If you, do you remember the uh, Mike Reed, the former I Radio do. 1 DJ? Yes. Yeah, we, we, we did. He's got a show on one of the sort of heritage channels. Uh, I think it's his own talking, channel, actually. Talking pictures, um, we, it's on. We yeah. did a show for him recently, and that, that was great, you know, to sort of... Remembering all the days when Mike Reed used to play If I Had You and such like. It was good fun. Yeah. 
it's interesting watching um, the, the the program that he's got, and uh, I think it's on the Talking Pictures uh, channel. Yeah, um, on yeah, there. that's it. And it, it's lovely to see a lot of these sort of well, I mean, heritage charts. It says everything, doesn't it? It's people with heritage in, in the music business. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's lovely to see some of those people uh, back on uh, again. It is. And it, it's nice because we've had a lot of them on on the show. People like Owen Paul and Chesney Hawks, and uh, oh, great. you know that 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 sort of thing, yeah. and uh, the fortunes, yeah. and it, it's lovely to see them back on television television again and making such great music and mm. it's also nice that um that there's radio stations which aren't sort of you know radio one radio two nowadays mm. i don't think we need those uh, because there's so many stations who play this sort of music and boom radio i mean you know there's so many knocking about that can play your sort of music and everybody can right. enjoy it and and it's lovely to hear it uh, back out again um, so, now then, uh, James, how can people find out more about you and the band, and of course, this brilliant record? Ah, simple. Just online, go to thecorgis.com. That's uh, the website, and there's everything on there. All the links you could possibly need, like to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want. You know, it's all there. Thecorgis.com, and also you can buy any anything uh, that we make on by the Bring About the Spirit of Love single, by the Cartoon World album. It's all there. So, thecorgis.com is just like the one stop that you need. Marvelous stuff, uh, and it's Corgis with a K and dot com with a C. Uh, just uh, just it. in case people want to put K's and C's all over the place. <laughs> so, James, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. I love the album. I, I love the, the oh. album cover. Uh, if it was a meal, I'd eat it. To tell you the truth, it, it, it's that good. <laughs> um, so, thank you so much for taking time out. Oh, on your thanks Sunday for having morning. me. Oh, Anytime. it's an absolute pleasure. And I tell you what, we're <laughs> going to play out with. Uh, and you know, before we came on there, I asked what one of your favourite tracks, and uh, there's so many there to choose from. But we're gonna yeah. we're gonna play the title track, uh, which is Cartoon World. There's so many on there, which Lovely. are just so so good. Um, so thank you so much. Have a wonderful Sunday, uh, and hopefully we'll speak sometime in the future. Let's do it. Yes, let's do it. Cheers, James. Bye for now. Goodbye, mate. <laughs>